0: text this morning is Leviticus 14, verses 21 through 32. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived, to make atonement for him, one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering, and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed, to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves, or young pigeons, such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford, the one as a sin offering, and the other as a burnt offering, with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him, who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who had a leprous sore, who cannot afford the usual cleansing. Let's pray. O oh, Heavenly Father God, we do thank you that you, you still teach and instruct your church, that you care for her. We do pray, O oh Lord, this day that you would be with Mr. Horn as he comes in and unravels this passage for us, as he instructs us and teaches us by your Spirit. We do pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to hear, to have ears, to understand what you are saying here in this passage about the cleansing that is needed even for for the poorest father we thank you that you provide father for cleansing father we do pray that you would instruct us through this passage now pray that you would bless our ears to hear we pray that you would give us understanding we pray this in Jesus name amen
1: we come to this passage about a special provision for the poor we've talked about how being cleansed from leprosy how even the this is all a picture of salvation it's a picture not just of justification it's a picture of all of salvation it's a picture of being born again when they shave off all their hair off of their body and then they live outside their tent for seven days how oh, that's a picture that, that our citizenship in is in heaven, that we're abiding in heaven, even as we continue to live on this earth. And then after seven days, they shave off all their head again, this picture of, again, as your body is renewed, as your, your, the bodily resurrection happens, and that you're able to go into the presence of God. And then it talked about the sacrifices, that the three animals, the picture of the trespass offering, the sin offering, and the burnt (coughs) offering were required to be declared clean, to be, you were already healed, but to be able to be accepted into the society, accepted into Israel. You had to be declared clean through these these sacrifices. And now we come to uh, another form of those sacrifices the sacrifices that the poor has to give. For the, the normal person that was cleansed from leprosy, they had to sacrifice the three animals. Well, the three animals could be a significant expense. And for the poor, it would just... If you're not raising animals, it could have been a very, very significant expense. It could have been next to impossible for them to get, to get those sacrifices... For them to get the three animals together for them to be cleansed. So in this passage there's special instruction that are given if a poor man is cleansed of leprosy. It could not get two male lambs in a in a ewe. God lowers the requirement. And this testifies of a few different things that are important for us to understand. The first is that it's not the sacrifices that cleanses they were what actually cleansed if it was actually the blood of that burnt offering and the blood of the sin offering and the blood of the trespass offering that was causing them to be clean then that requirement would be the same for everyone but if they're only symbolic then the symbolism could be changed without it affecting the efficacy so as we read these we should recognize The fact that God changes it means this is just symbolic. This isn't really what makes us able to enter into the presence of God. And another thing that it testifies of, that we need to recognize how consistent this is throughout Scripture, is it testifies that God cares about the poor. You know, in Christianity we take this as a given, but if you read the Scriptures at all, and if you read the scriptures at all, you should take this as a given. It's obvious. God mentions it many times. But that doesn't mean it was a widespread belief. When Christ came, that was not the widespread belief. Matthew nineteen twenty three to 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Think about that. They were going, if you're not saved, if the rich man is not somebody who is blessed by God, that that's the sign of being right with God, is that you are wealthy, then if the wealthy man can't be saved, who can be? Because they've clearly been blessed by God. And Jesus goes, physical blessing isn't the picture that the rich man can't doesn't get in by his wealth. That's not the sign of being righteous. There's many very wicked men that are rich. In Christianity, we we generally understand that, except that's not generally understood, but throughout the world do you realize that the prosperity gospel is spread throughout the world where the idea is is that the rich people they are the ones that are right with god most of the christian church today probably outside the united states but most of the christian church the so-called christian church in the world still believes what the disciples believed that it is the rich men that get into heaven. Because that's still the prosperity gospel. That's still this belief that being wealthy is a sign that God has blessed you and that, you are, that God is pleased with you. But that isn't, what, that isn't what Christ said. That isn't what Christ said at all. That isn't what Christ said in James 2 that Christ just read. That was a big change with the coming of Christ. Because man always wants to go, it's all about carnal things. If you receive carnal things, that must mean you're right with God. So with the coming of Christ, the attitude towards the poor actually changed. In Isaiah 3, when God is going to judge Israel, when He's going to judge Israel, and then He's going to judge Judah... Here's what he says in Isaiah three thirteen through 15. The Lord stands up to plead and, to, and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes. For you have eaten up the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. God is looking and saying, the reason you're rich is because you abuse the poor. If you're abusing the poor, do you really think you're right with me? But when Christ came, the apostles, the ones who would be the the 11 apostles that spread the gospel through the world, they went, who can be saved? Except if the rich can't be saved, who can be saved? Even though God over and over again in his word says, the rich are rich because they grind the faces of the poor. It doesn't mean everybody that rich grinds the face of the poor. But it doesn't mean that to be rich means that you're righteous. So it went from grinding the face of the poor in Galatians after the church is established. Galatians 2, 9-12 says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. True believers' treatment of the poor is like how God treats the poor, not how man treats the poor. Man treats the poor and says, there's nothing I can get from him. Why shouldn't I abuse him? He can't do anything if I abuse him. He can't do anything if I plunder him. He has no power in society because he has no wealth. That's what mankind has always said. That's what the Jews said. That's what Israel said. But that's not what the church says. The church says, remember the poor. That's what the church says. Those who have a heart after God's own heart, they care for the poor. Which is what God is making provision of for the poor in this, in this passage. Because it's not about what you have. It's about what you believe And how that faith manifests itself in your life. Because God does save us to good works. But that doesn't mean you collect money. That means you serve God. So the verses 21 through 23. But if he is poor and cannot afford it. Then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived. To make atonement for him one tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil is a grain offering a log of oil, and two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering, and the other a burn offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. So then it says, "But but if he is poor. So he's referring to the leper who has been healed. He Showing that the healing from God is not dependent upon what you have. But regardless of what you have, you still have an obligation to have a real response, to make a real sacrifice, to really demonstrate and to declare that you have been healed of the leprosy. The healing of the leprosy is not caused by the sacrifices, but the recognition by society by israel that you've been cleansed of the leprosy that is through the sacrifices that is how you're declared clean that is how people recognize it and see it so just like in salvation or with salvation there's different parts of the body some have more gifts some have less gifts but for all of them there is an expectation of being saved to sacrifice the sacrifices we give, the differences, things that we do, they are different. They are they are based on what God has given us. The salvation is all because of the blood of Christ, but everybody has to die to themselves. Everybody has to pick up their cross and follow Christ. But it doesn't mean that everybody's cross is the same that they pick up. Too much is given, much is expected. And there are different expectations of sacrifices depending on the gifts that God has given you. That word translated poor doesn't just mean your financial condition. It means more thin or weak. It's the implication is not just that you don't have it, but also that you don't have the ability to get it. You know, it says, but if he is poor and cannot afford it, I think the translation in the King James is better. Where it says, and cannot get so much. The words that are translated afford are more like having nothing to reach your hand out to. It's not about that you don't have it. It's that, I mean, if you have it, then obviously you can reach your hand out and get it. But it's that you don't have the ability to obtain it. Like when we do prosthetics, when we're offering to get, before we offer to give someone a leg in Nigeria. They're expected to... See if they can reach out their hand and get it. They're expected to go and talk to if they have rich relatives because they have a duty to care for them before we have a duty to care for them. They have to go to their church and ask their church if their church will give for the leg before we provide them a leg. Because it's not just for those who don't have the money for the, the leg. It's for those who can't get, They can't reach out and get it. And that's the same thing God is saying here. If you can reach out, if you have a rich uncle who has, has a flock of a thousand animals, you should be able to go to him and say, I need to be cleansed of my leprosy, can you give me three lambs? And he should give it to them. And that's still within, even though they don't have it, they can't afford it, which is why I don't like the translation very well. They can reach their hand out and get it, which is what's more literally They can go and ask a neighbor that has it. They can humble themselves and go and get it. If they can obtain the animals some way, they're supposed to obtain the animals. It's not just saying that, oh, you don't have them, so therefore you give the birds. It's what can you get. Including saying all you know i'm healed from leprosy now i can go back to my work that i did before i'll be able to replace the lambs in a year can you can you loan me the lambs then they should loan then they should go borrow the lambs this is not for people to try to escape making the sacrifice they're not to make up excuses for why they couldn't make the sacrifices this is if they can obtain it some way they should obtain it obviously some legal way you can't go steal the animals but if you can obtain it with some legal means, then that's how you should obtain it. You have an obligation to get the three if you can really get them. But if you're really not able to, if you really don't have the ability, if if your community, if your village is so poor that there aren't animals there, then God says, if you can't reach out your hand, I will make provision for that. Then he shall take. He still has to give an offering but probably more than half the cost of the offering is reduced. But he still has to have a real and a serious response in order to be brought back into the society and to be considered clean. He has been healed, but the sacrifice, the works are what makes others see that he is clean. Then he'll take one male lamb, instead of two males and one female lamb of the first year, the only one that's still required is to be a male lamb for a trespass offering the, because the birds can be substituted as well as the order of the burn offering and the sin offering i think those offerings are more more memorials rather than being tied to what happened as after the second cleansing it's a picture of glorification it's a picture like in first corinthians 15 where corruption will put on incorruption where all our sin will be removed well, that starts with Christ's sacrifice of a burnt offering where he so loved the world that he offered himself so that the world, the works of the devil, could be put away from the world. And the picture of the sin offering is when that becomes personal, when, when Christ's sacrifice was for you so that you could be justified, so that you could be made right with God. And then the trespass offering is the picture of Our sins being forgiven, those sins, the sanctification, glorification of the remaining sin nature that's in us. Even after we've been given a heart of flesh and had our heart of stone removed, we still have sin. And that still requires a sacrifice for us to be reconciled with God. God cannot look upon those who are sinful. And so God gives the the trespass offering. (laughs) and so in this case the offering that's associated with this picture of glorification that's the trespass (coughs) offering the bodily resurrection those who are declared clean they don't need to have the burn offering again they don't need to have the sin offering again they've been justified they only need the trespass offering to have their corruption removed to have their final sin removed (coughs) so they can be perfect and be in the presence of God forevermore and Christ's sacrifice was all those Christ's sacrifice was the trespass offering so that we could be fit to come into God's presence and so then that lamb and the log of oil is to be waved or sorry the the lamb is to be waved it's interesting that the emphasis is put on waving the animal I didn't notice this last week, but the animal is waved before it's slaughtered. The only similar example that I could find throughout Scripture of where you wave something that's not like a piece of the sacrifice. Usually, you (coughs) wave like the breast, which was given to the priest for making the sacrifice. That that would be waved, or, or the various parts, the fat that would be burned, that was to be waved. But this is the only time where you actually pick up the living animal and you wave it before the Lord. But there's a a place where it, it talks about what that means, and that's when the Levites are offered as a wave offering. In Numbers 8, 10 through 11. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. The wave offering is about being holy so that you can perform the work of the Lord. Like even the parts that they would wave that they would then go eat in a holy place. It was about them it was about them strengthening the priest so that they could go do the work of the Lord. The idea of the wave offering is that it's dedicated to serving God. Whether it's the priest's portion of the sacrifice the sheaf that would have to be eaten in the holy place. It was about dedication to God. And so the wave offering and the trespass offering seems to be a picture of even though we are yet sinners, he does reserve us to serve us as healed lepers. And even after the sacrifice of the trespass offering, after the bodily resurrection, he does that bodily resurrection where we go into his presence It's not for us to sit around and be lazy in heaven. It's still for us to serve God. We know this from Isaiah 66 where where from Sabbath to Sabbath, from new moon to new moon, we go and serve God by worshiping him, those who have been glorified. But the bodily resurrection is about us being saved, us having all our sin removed, us being glorified so that we can serve him it's to be waived to make an atonement for him it's waved to make unity between god and man again i think this is a picture of glorification when true and full atonement is is achieved when the people of god are completely cleansed of their sin of all their trespasses so they can actually enter into the to the full presence of god to his full glory without being destroyed because of the remaining corruption. So to make atonement for them, one-tenth of an ephah. They also have to bring a tenth of an ephah of flour for the, the offering that was, was first declared. It was three ephahs of flour, or three-tenths ephahs of flour. In Numbers 15, it does say that for any lamb that's sacrificed, that you're supposed to bring a t- tenth of an ephah of fine flour. <laughs> But it also says you should bring a, a quarter hint of oil, which is about three logs of oil. In this case, they would bring three, for the not poor, but for the normal leper, they would bring three ephahs, or three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour. But they'd only bring one log of oil, as opposed to in normal sacrifices, they'd have to bring nine logs of oil with that. But even the one log, not all of it's required for the cleansing of the leper they only had to bring an amount of flour that was suitable for the one lamb rather than for the three lambs so the flour was still there it had to be fine flour the usual term had to be like ground so that it was it was the word literally means to be chipped it wasn't like full grains but it was ground so there's a reduction in the amount of flour to about a quart but it still needs to be ground and prepared that was a picture of god's provision for his people through his word he provides for his people the flour is a picture of giving the word and he does provide in proportion to the work that they have been given to do the person who does less work they'll have less understanding of the word of god this is how it works It doesn't mean they're not saved, but there are different levels of understanding of the Word of God. And the Word of God is what makes our work effectual. person who's poor does less work, so they're given less of the Word of God. They're given less of, of the flour. And then mixed with oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, so it's not that they did not receive the Holy Spirit. They received the power of the Holy Spirit, but again those who are weak those who are thin you don't see the same manifestation of the power of the holy spirit in everybody who's saved they're all saved by the same spirit they're all saved by the same word but there is different levels there's different levels of power there's different levels of work that god gives it's like the parable of the talent some receive two some receive five some receive ten what you're responsible for is what you have received in the poor, those who have not received as much, they have to be faithful with what they've received. Because it's not you're not saved by how much you earn back for God. But everybody that God saves, he makes a servant. And every servant returns back to God. So it's mixed with oil as a grain offering. The poor still have to give an offering of the flour and the oil. Because everyone who has their leprosy cleansed, it's through the word of God. It's brought to our understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit. Then they also have to bring a log of oil. The amount of oil is the same whether rich or poor. All receive the same anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's all through the work of the Holy Spirit that all who are saved. And without the Holy Spirit working in us to produce holiness, no one will see God. And then two turtle doves. This is the major change. Instead of another ram and instead of a a ewe of the first year, they can just bring two birds, either turtle doves, which has long been a bird that was used to, to represent affection, or two young pigeons. The word translated young is really bane, which is the word for son, so it's really two sons of pigeons. And the pigeon is named, probably based the word that pigeon in Hebrew that pigeon comes from or is translated from is based on the warmth of its mating, so it's, it's more of a picture of passion. So these birds are a picture of care, a picture of, of affection, a picture of passion that he's allowed to substitute for. Because it's not that God doesn't care for the poor. He does care for the poor as much as he does for the wealthy. He has given it all, so it's not somehow that the person who has little that somehow this means God loves them less. They have the picture of passion and of caring. Such as he is able to afford. So this is basically the same as the previous phrase. It's not so much about what he can afford. It's about what he can lay his hands on. What he can reach out and get is what it literally is saying. So if if all he can get is pigeons, he should sacrifice pigeons. If what he can get is turtle doves, he should sacrifice turtle doves. It's whatever he can reach his hands and grasp so one shall be a sin offering one bird will be the picture of his sins being forgiven and the other a burnt offering a picture of Christ being the burnt offering for the world to can cleanse the world of sin starting with his people Then he shall bring them notice it's his obligation he has to bring the, the lamb and the, the two birds and the log of oil and the tenth of an ephah of flour it's his obligation. It's not the priest's obligation to go out and find him. He has a duty. If the world is going to see that he's clean, he has a duty to bring the sacrifices for the Lord. But still where people can see them. Just like we talked about last week. Before that, he couldn't go into the holy place. And now he's supposed to go between the altar burnt offering and the door of the tabernacle. He's going to a very visible place, this cleansed leper, so everybody know he's cleansed. <laughs> But the way they know he's cleansed is he brings the trespass offering. If he doesn't come in with the trespass offering, he should be chased away. The way that we're not saved by works, but we're saved to works. This is how you see salvation in somebody else, is that they're doing the work of God, is that they're bringing the offerings. They're bringing the word of God. They have a testimony of walking in holiness. They have a testimony in being a living sacrifice. This is how we say that they're saved. We could be wrong, but this is how we say that they've been cleansed. It's not coming empty-handed. It's coming as a new creature in Christ. So he brings them to the priest, to the person who is a servant of God, to the person who is to help with them being made and declared clean. So he does it on the eighth day for his cleansing after they had all their heads shaved and their bodies shaved on the first and seventh day. The next day they are to bring these offerings to the priest at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So while the priest is to be there, the priest is to help with the sacrifice, but it's really about coming to meet with God. It's coming to be in the presence of God, it's not coming to meet with the priest. It's the priest is playing a role so that they're reconciled with God. Because it's before the Lord. It's about coming into the presence of the Lord. Until we're cleansed from our leprosy, we cannot come into the presence of the Lord. We can think that we have, right? You go to lots of Roman Catholic with their cathedrals. They play organ music, and they play it in such a way that you feel this aura of of majesty like you've entered into the presence of god that's all fake that has nothing to do with entering into the presence of god it's just a carnal way to make people think that they've entered into the presence of god the only way to truly come into the presence of god is to be cleansed of our leprosy to turn from our sin to repent verses 24 through 29 and the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the, right, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that in his hand that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. And on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the lord so the priest shall take the lamb the the lamb that the healed lepers bought brought the lamb of the trespass offering throughout this passage there's a pattern it's the language is similar as to what's used for the the first offering the normal offering except that it's shortened for instance in verse 12 it said the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and here it says the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and so while the language is shorter i think throughout this passage it's not that the priest is doing something different for the poor and the rich it's just rather than repeating all the words for the sake of of brevity god just just reminds us of what was said for the first offerings and so he's supposed to offer it as a trespass offering, but it doesn't lay it out as, as specifically. But I think the still the rules, the same rules apply. So he takes the lamb and he takes the log of oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit and the, the priest waves them. The priest shall wave them. When something is waved, again, it's, it's a picture of dedicating them to the use of the Lord. So here it seems to be that by waving the lamb and the log of oil, the picture is that it's the work of God that's making the person cleansed. And it's their work, the sacrifice of the trespass offering that was fulfilled in Christ and the oil that was fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. That's how the person is fully cleansed of the leprosy. It's a wave offering. They actually pick it up and the word means to undulate it, to, to shifted back and forth they pick up this oil and this this lamb and they they hold it up in the air and they wave it before the lord it's by the actions of christ and the actions of the holy spirit they're the only means that we have so that we can approach god they do it before the lord so that the lord sees it because it's not a testimony of the means that we approach god is not by our own strength our own wisdom our own knowledge our own righteousness It is by the work of God, the work of Christ, and the work of the Holy Spirit. So then he shall kill the lamb. The lamb needs needs to be sacrificed. It's by the shedding of blood that there is remission of sin. Not just the sin that leads to justification requires the shedding of blood, but all our sin requires the shedding of blood. Every trespass, every fault, all of it requires the shedding of blood. And so the trespass offering needs to be killed. The death of the trespass offering is what allows for glorification because it's what allows not just for us to give a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone, but it's what allows us to be perfectly clean, to have no corruption so that we can enter into the presence of God without dying. For no one has seen God and lived. But yet, after the trespass offering, after all our corruptions removed, we can be ushered into the presence of God forevermore. So again, in the priest, again, this is the priest making the sacrifice. For other sacrifices, it was always the person who was bringing the animal that made the sacrifice. The priest simply catches the blood that's shed to anoint the altar. But in the case of the cleansed leper... Just like the waving didn't happen in other places. In the case of the cleansed leopard, it's the priest himself that kills the animal. And then he takes some of the blood of the trespass offering. And I mean, that, that picture of the priest himself killing the animal is the, priest, is the picture that it's God who saves. It's God who, gave the, who killed the sin offering. It's God who killed the burn offering. It's God who kills the trespass offering. It's God who makes the sacrifice of the Holy Spirit the reason that we can come into the presence of god is because of the work of god it's because of the work of what christ did it's not by man's work that we're able to enter into the presence of god still shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering still capture the blood after they killed it so that they can use the blood to anoint to mark a change so they put the blood they they mark it on certain things to show the change in the person he put it on the tip of the right ear to show that what he listens to and what he thinks about changes through the sacrifice of Christ, of him who is to be cleansed, the cleansing of the one. This is the cleansing of the one who is to be cleansed. It's about the promise of what's to come. The promise that through the sacrifice of Christ as the trespass offering, through the promise of the work of the Holy Spirit, we will be cleansed. We will have every thought taken captive. That is the promise. That's what we're supposed to be doing now. But don't think in heaven. Don't think after all your sins removed. After all your glorification's been removed, you will take every thought captive. You will think the way you're supposed to think. This is what the work of the Holy Spirit will will perform. This is the promise of what it looks like to be fully cleansed. And on the thumb of his right hand, when we're fully cleansed, all the work that we do with our hands, we will do it with perfect righteousness. Perfectly in the way that God would have us to do it. That's the promise. That's the promise to the healed lepers. Leper that, that the things that he do, does will now become perfectly righteous. Right now we struggle with sin, but there's a promise that the day will come where we will no longer struggle with sin when all our corruption is put off through the second coming of Christ, through the resurrection of our body, we won't struggle with sin anymore. We won't do things that we shouldn't do. And on the big toe of his right foot, where he goes, it will also be cleansed. The path that he walked, when we're saved, we're put on the narrow path through the sacrifice of the sin offering. When there's the final cleansing of the left Leper, there will not be the least straying from that path anymore we will walk perfectly on that path after our sin is removed from us after corruption puts on incorruption we will have no desire, no tendency nothing in us that will cause us to ever step off the narrow path the path of righteousness again then the priest shall pour and this will be sealed it will be effectuated through the oil so the priest shall take a portion of the oil log of oil is a little bit more than a cup of oil that's a lot more than you can put in your hand so only some of the oil is used to anoint only some is used to sprinkle the picture i think is that the work of the spirit is greater than just the removal of our sin the holy spirit is doing more than that we know that. We know that from, from John 16. That he came to convict the world of sin. What the world, Holy Spirit is doing is not just about believers. But it's part of it. Part of it is cleansing us. Part of it is constraining our sin. Part of it is, is changing us. So pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. The portion of that log of oil that can be contained in a cupped hand. So that the right finger can be used for anointing. Then the pre-shell sprinkle. Sprinkle of the oil. In the law I believe it's only in the cleansing of the leper where oil is sprinkled. It's not mixed with blood. The most frequent commandment to sprinkle is to sprinkle blood or to sprinkle water that is mixed with the ashes of the red heifer. But In this case, pure oil is sprinkled. It's done with his right finger. It's done as a picture of the reconciliation that happened seven times its completeness as a picture of glorification there's a picture that there's no more need for blood to be shed no more blood will need to be shed to be reconciled to the father after the blood of the trespass offering is shed for the leper the blood is used to signify the cleansing and then the oil is used to signify the connection to the Lord So seven times with the right finger, it's sprinkled before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle to show that atonement's been made and that blood is no longer needed. There's no, after Christ returns, there's no longer any need for any sacrifice because all our sin will be put away from us. So the priest shall put, the priest shall also take with that oil in the places where the blood had been put, to mark that through the Holy Spirit, the blood that caused the sins to be forgiven. God also makes us holy. He also changes us. It doesn't just, it's not just a picture of circumcision, it's a picture of having life. It's not just a picture of stopping having evil thoughts. It's about having good thoughts. It's not just a picture of stop doing evil with your hands, but to start to do good. Because the the blood is not just about the blood is a picture of forgiveness. The oil is a picture about about doing it through the power of the holy spirit so take some of the oil that's in his left hand or in his hand that comes from the left hand after the sprinkling seven times and he applies it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed the work of the holy spirit is what cleanses our thoughts it's what We need to seek to walk in faith, to view the world as God views the world. But we should never think that that's by our own strength, by our own wisdom, by our own understanding. Rather, it's because the Holy Spirit opens our understanding. He's the one that gives us ears to hear the truths of his word. And then on the thumb of of the right hand, the same with our action. God gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh, rather than a heart of stone. But when we then do the things that we're supposed to do, we should never take credit for it. We should never go, Oh, look, this is I'm doing good works for the Lord. Because that's still the work of the Holy Spirit. God forgives us our evil deeds, but then He makes it through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He makes it so that we do the right things. As it says in 1 John 3, 9, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. It's because his seed remains in him. It's because the Holy Spirit remains in those who believe that Paul can write that no fornicator, no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. Because God leaves his seed in those who believe. And because of that, our sin is constrained. The things that we do are not just because Christ has forgiven us. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us that causes us to walk in Righteousness. That's why sin it will be successfully constrained in every believer. They cannot continue in the same path of life. It's not possible because that's a rejection of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then on the big toe of his right foot. So the Holy Spirit constrains where we go for he's the one that sets our path. Our sanctification is through the work of the Spirit and not just our justification. So he puts it on the place of blood. It's all related to where the blood was applied, where we had forgiveness of sins, where we had remission of sins through the sacrifice of the trespass offering. That's where God doesn't just leave us having have our sins forgiven, but he changes us so that we do the things that we're supposed to do. And the rest of the oil, the remainder, not, not what's in the log. It doesn't say what's what happens to the remainder that's in the log. But it's what remains in the priest's hand. After the sprinkling with it, after the anointing of the ear and the, the thumb and the toe, he shall put it on the head of him who is to be cleansed. That's a picture that the Holy Spirit has given for joy. Glorification is about joy. It's important to recognize that. Matthew 25, 21 His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God saves us for work on this earth, but he saves us for heavenly work too. But entering into that heavenly work is entering into the joy of the Lord. It's about joy. It's about greater joy than we can know here. And that's what's signified by putting that oil on the head make atonement for him. In the last day when Christ separates the sheep from the goats. From those who have true active faith in him. From those who do not. It's also a permanent separation between joy and sorrow. There's those who enter into the joy of the Lord. And those who enter into eternal sorrow. Into the eternal punishment of the Lord. Through Christ's sacrifice for our trespasses. We can be fully at one with God when at glorification we become like him, not as a God, but like him in holiness. We can be comparable to him. We can be the helpmeet that he desired from Genesis 2. That's what we become. And those who don't, they receive the eternal judgment. They receive eternal sorrow. God makes atonement for us so that we can have perfect joy, eternal joy. So that we can be reconciled to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can be in their presence forevermore. Make atonement for them before the Lord. The picture is before the Lord. Because it's the completeness of that picture. Where there was a division that happened with Adam (coughs) and Eve with the sin. And there's complete reconciliation. There's complete joy when we're brought back. And we're made one with the Father. And all our sins removed. And we can be in the presence of God forevermore. Verses thirty through thirty-two. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons, such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford. The one is a sin offering, and the other is a burn offering with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who has a, had a leprous sore, who cannot afford the usual cleansing. so he shall offer. Again, because these are smaller offerings, I think they should just be considered memorials. Not because they were not important, but the burn offering and the sin offering, those things those things happened before he was healed. And so these, these are pictures of things that, that, what's happening now, what happens at, at glorification, what happens when Christ returns and there's a a picture of the bodily resurrection when corruption puts on incorruption. And that's the sacrifice of the trespass offering. But here that trespass offering doesn't have any meaning without the sin offering or without the burn offering. The burn offering is the picture of Christ's sacrifice for the whole world. And the sin offering is the picture of Christ's sacrifice for each sinner that he saves <coughs> so that they can have the trespass offering. They can have their sins done away with they can have the the holiness of God so that they can enter into the presence of God, so we'll offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons again one of the birds that shows love and care that shows the passion that Christ has for his bride, such as he can afford again this isn't this means whatever he can get his hands on, whatever he can reach out his hand for so whatever we should look at it the other way whatever God delivers into his hand because it is by the will of God it's by the power of God it's by the operation of God that he has birds to offer and so whatever he whatever he can lay his hand on whether it's turtle doves or pigeons and then it repeats it right it says such as he can afford or such as he is able to afford the difference in this phrase, phrase in Hebrew is quite a bit different that the difference between the two is that the emphasis is put on he himself. In other words, the idea is that it's missing a reflexive pronoun, or the reflexive pronoun is added between the two. So the first one is whatever he can get his hand on, and then the second is whatever he himself can get his hand on. It doesn't mean that that he goes in there and the priests go oh. He doesn't have enough money for the for another lamb and another or another ram and another ewe. So we'll we'll bring one from our stock out back. No, it's what he can get. That's what he has a responsibility to bring, what he can get. It's not substituted and other people bring it for him. It's what he himself can lay his hands on. It's his responsibility to get it. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't go and ask to borrow it. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't go and do what he can to get it. But it's his responsibility. It's not the priest's responsibility to do it. The leper is the one who has to get the birds. It has to be his initiative. So the one is a sin offering. The one picture is the picture of the leper who's been cleansed. A picture of Christ dying for him so that he could be justified. And again, the normal order of these offerings is the burn offering and then the sin offering and then the trespass offering. But in this passage, it's the opposite way, which I think it's because the trespass offering is based on the sin offering. Unless you've been justified, unless you've been born again, you you won't be cleansed of your sins. You won't be brought into eternal oneness with God. That just doesn't happen unless you've been justified. Then the other is a burnt offering, the picture of Christ coming into the world to save the world, to save, to save people from being a burnt offering because either Christ is your burnt offering or you will be burned for eternity. And that's true for the world too. There's the things that don't offend God that will remain after he cleanses the world with fire. But Christ came to be the burnt offering so that the new heavens and the earth and the believers could escape the fire of the wrath of god and with the grain offering the whole tenth of an ephah is burned there's a picture that the word of god the declaration of who god is is not needed in heaven it talks about this in second corinthians 3 where the law was passing away because in heaven once the the law is passed away you don't need the law in heaven once corruption is put Corrupt, or The law was added because of transgression. There's no need for the law in heaven because nobody will desire to reject the law. Nobody will desire to rebel against God. Nobody needs to be told what to do because all our trespasses will have been removed. And so the grain offering, when we see God face to face, we no longer need his word. We'll have a better revelation in heaven than we do through his word right now. His word is sufficient for every good work in earth. When we're in his presence, we don't need the same instruction. And so those things are burned up. So the priest shall make atonement for him. The priest shall offer these things because they're how man and God are fully reconciled. So we can dwell with him forever. So he can be our light. He can be the sun. He can be the moon. We can be in his presence forevermore on the new heavens and the new earth. We can be at one with God. That's what Christ came to do as the burnt offering, as the sin offering, as the trespass offering. That's what Christ came to do, to make it so that we could be in his presence forevermore. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed. Only those who are cleansed through Christ's justification and through glorification, when all corruption puts on incorruption, they're the ones that receive the blessing, the ones that already had the sin offering applied to them. Have you repented? Have you believed in Christ? Have you died to yourself? Have you become the sin offering? And then the rest of mankind becomes a burnt offering. And all of this again is before the Lord. All these offerings are done before the Lord because it's about our sin being removed. Because of our death to God. Because we rebelled against Him and His perfect law. And so we need to be cleansed. <coughs> so this is the law. These are what's required for the leper who is cleans- healed to again be cl- considered clean by the people of Israel where they can fully accept him inside their camp. For the one who has a sore, for the one who has this picture of sin, for the sinner. This is how all of us are cleansed. This is a physical picture of a spiritual reality that when we're healed by God, that there are real sacrifices, there are real things, there's real difference in behavior, that all these things, and eternally there will be a complete difference in behavior. Who cannot afford, who cannot get it in his hands, we're not saved by what we can get in our hand, we're not saved by our wealth, we're not saved by what God has given us in terms of material possessions, that has nothing to do with salvation what we're saved by is by the work of Christ. What we're saved by is the gifts that God has given us, the gift of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're only expected to give sacrifices according to the amount of the gift in proportion to the gift that God has given us. And then it says the usual, who cannot afford the usual cleansing? That word "usual" is added. It's not in the original Hebrew more literally for those who are not able to get it for cleansing. So the picture isn't that this is usual. When I read that and said the usual cleansing, this didn't happen probably for 1,400 years after the giving the law. So you can hardly call it usual when it never happens. These are the two cleansings that God gives. One for the person who has the things and one for those who cannot obtain it. But none of this is usual. Since Christ said that it was a sign that he was the Messiah, Right, Matthew eleven two through 6 And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. These laws were put in place so that we could understand what it meant when the Messiah came. What he was doing. What it was a picture of is what Christ came when he came as the burnt offering. When he came as the sin offering. When he came as the trespass offering. So let me give you some applications. The first application is we should not think the prosperity gospel is something new. It was around when Christ started his public ministry. Think about it. Carnal man cannot, the Bible says, they cannot see spiritual things. And so somebody who cannot, it is not possible for them to understand spiritual things. The only way that you can measure success with God is through physical things. That's why the prosperity gospel is always popular. Because you're right with God. You can tell it by how much money you have. But that only makes sense for somebody who has no idea of any spiritual things. The person with the most stuff must be the most holy. It's the same thing that Creflo Dollar or Benny Hinn says today. Is the same thing that the disciples believed when Christ took on flesh and dwelt among us. That righteousness is about wealth. You know, at other times, people think righteousness is about poverty, that, that you know, that's where all of monkery comes from, in the monastic movement, is that the idea is that righteousness comes from that you don't have anything, because again, if you cannot <coughs> understand spiritual things at all, your only choice is to measure things based on carnal things. So sometimes they say it's because you're rich. That means you get into heaven. And other times they say it's because you're poor. That's how you get into heaven. But it's all because they cannot measure spiritual things. This passage is about for the rich you do it this way. For the poor you do it this way. Because it doesn't matter. It's not about what you have. It's about whether you have faith or not. It's not about whether you have physical things. Those are carnal things. When you understand spiritual things... That idea of measuring spirituality through carnal things becomes absurd. Another application we should care for the poor is God cares for the poor. Deuteronomy fifteen seven through 8 says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. God doesn't eliminate expectations like our government does to the poor, which is to treat them like they're not capable, which emasculates them. But he does reduce expectations. They still had to bring a lamb. They still had to bring a log of oil. But God God does show mercy to the poor. He doesn't say everybody has to bring the same amount. That's how we're supposed to be dealing with the poor. It doesn't mean that you just give them handouts. But it does mean that you you do care for them. You do try to make it possible for them to survive. We're supposed to reach our hand out to the poor. That was the sign. That was the big shift that happened with the coming of Christ. Is that before that, nobody cared about the poor. They just said, these are the people that are judged by God. And then Christ came... And Peter and Paul and everybody in Jerusalem said, "Care for the poor. Make sure you care for the poor." This is the big shift that, that Jesus himself talked about in Matthew 25, "I was hungry, and you fed me, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. Christians care for the poor, because God cares for the poor. Another application, salvation is not about the sacrifices that we make, not the amount that we produce different people have different abilities. Matthew 10:37 through 39 says he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Not about the size of the cross that we that we have to bear. It's about our willingness to bear it. Our willingness and having a heart that we pick up the cross. It's not about the size of the sacrifice. It's about our willingness and our desire to sacrifice for God. Another application, we should desire abundant provision of the word and the spirit. We should not be trying to get away with as little as we can get. There's the picture of the ephah mixed with oil. We should all desire three-tenths of an ephah. There's things that you can do to get more of the word. And understand it means that God didn't give us the word so that we can be puffed up with knowledge. He gave us the word so that we can go and do work, that we can do things for his kingdom. But all of us should desire to have as much of it as possible. We should all desire to be rich in the word of God. God does give it in correspondence to our need. So we put the word into practice. The more that we exercise faith, the greater proportion we will have, and we should expect to have of those things. In Hebrews five thirteen and 14, it says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Yes, there are some people who have less of the word, but all of us have a Bible except for the young children in this room, everybody can read. We can all have the word in abundance. It's because we starve ourselves if we don't have the word in abundance. Those who use the word, they'll walk by more faith rather than sight. And they should expect a greater portion, a greater portion of the joy of the Lord, but also a greater portion of the work and the sacrifices to be made. Another application. All of us that are saved should be able to help the healed leper become clean. Remember the picture is that the healed leper comes to the priest. The picture is someone who has a heart, their heart of stone taken out and replaced with the heart of flesh. They should be able to go to any priest and be told what to do. All of us should be able to. All of us who are saved should be able to, if someone approaches us, where the Spirit of God has been working on them, we should be able to help them walk along in their Christian walk. That's the duty of a priest. And all Christians are priests. The church has become, oh, take them to the pastor. That's not the picture. Too often, it just gets delegated to the pastors. This is the work of the ministry. This isn't the work of the pastors. This is the work of the church. It's the role of every priest. And every believer is a priest. Another application, we're commanded to take every thought captive. But we'll never succeed in doing that. The picture of the blood on the ear is the picture of the promise that we will succeed someday. We will, our thoughts will become perfectly cleansed. There will be that time in glorification where we don't have to struggle with wrong thoughts. We don't have to struggle with confusion. We don't have to struggle with not understanding. Even now as we should be struggling to take every thought captive. Remember the promise. This will happen. There will be a point where the Holy Spirit will remove corruption and we'll think. We'll see Christ and we'll know as we are now known. And so when we think of the anointing of the blood of the trespass offering... Also think of the anointing of the blood on it, that the Holy Spirit will deal with our sins. What we hear what we think, where we go, what we do with our strength, all of it will be cleansed through the work of the Holy Spirit and through the, through the work of Christ, through the sacrifice of Christ and through the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, which the Bible says that should be an impetus to seeking greater faithfulness now. 1 John 3, 2-3 through 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. When we think about how God will fix all our deeds, when we think about how God will fix every place that we want to go, when he'll fix every one of our thoughts, that should give us an impetus to do that now. That should be pressure on us to do that now. We don't need to wait until Christ returns. We're supposed to be purifying ourselves now. Another application, we should remember that the work of the Holy Spirit is broader than just in the church. Because the Holy Spirit abides in those who are part of the invisible church. It's easy to limit the work of the Holy Spirit to that. But God is clear, only some of the oil is poured out for the cleansing of the leper. The Holy Spirit is God, and God is infinite. The Holy Spirit is infinite. He's not just contained in the church. Everyone in the church has the Spirit of God, but that isn't all the Holy Spirit is doing. He's convicting the world of sin. And so when some of the oil is given, recognize that God is broader than just what he's doing in the church. The Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is broader than just what he's doing in the church. Another application, the, the picture of the sprinkling of the oil towards the tabernacle of meeting is the picture of Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That sprinkle I bet, that making atonement, that connection through the oil between the cleansed leper and God. That's that picture of holiness. It's not the blood that allows us to go in. I mean, it is because our sin's forgiven, but we can't enter into the presence of God until we're made perfectly holy. So pursue peace and holiness. That's what we're supposed to do. That's that's the picture of the sprinkling of the oil. That's how we become one with God, by being truly holy. So, we should be pursuing holiness now because that is the nature of the bride of Christ. On her wedding day, all her spots will be removed, all her wrinkles will be removed, and she will be holy. And that's the picture of the leper that are fully cleansed of their leprosy as they're made holy. Then, the last application salvation is about joy. It's about joy now, as the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy but it's also a promise of a greater joy to come where there will be no tears, no sorrow, no death. That's the promise of the gospel. That's the promise of salvation is perfect joy. And that promise should affect what we do now. It says in Psalm 16, 7 through 11, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. and your right hand are pleasures forevermore that's the picture of this cleansing of the leper when the oil is poured out is a glorification that's when we receive the fullness of joy which means that we should do things now but we should always remember that the the true fulfillment of the problem of the problem the true fulfillment of the cause of sin sin brings sorrow and misery into the world and christ came to eliminate it christ came to give us fullness of joy let's pray oh lord god we do thank you for this passage we thank you as we look at these types and these pictures that you put in front of us we thank you that we can understand them because you sent your son you sent your son to fulfill the shedding of blood that was necessary for the remission of sin he ascended to the father so that you could send your spirit so that the oil could be anointed upon those who believe so we could walk in holiness with a cr- promise of greater holiness, of perfect holiness, so we can actually enter into your presence like before the fall, where there is fullness of joy and there are pleasures forevermore. Lord, let us be diligent about seeking that now. Let us be diligent about walking your ways now, which are the good and pleasant paths. And let us recognize our hope is in the promise of eternal life, when you will perfectly cleanse us of our leprosy and we will be able to enter into your presence and never have to leave. We will look forward to that day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.